everybody. You're listening to the Red Jumpsuit Podcast with Joyce and Shauna. Broadcasting from Braintree, Massachusetts. We're talking about music, life, whatnot. So please stay tuned. Awesome, Shauna Carmody. Hello, Tracy. Hi. Nice to see you. Yay! I'm loving the background, the Wonder right? Girl background. Yeah, man. Mm. It seemed appropriate for this occasion. I, know. I think so. Yay! So I'm so happy because the dream of having my online women's community is coming true. With- I'm so glad you're doing this. Because you know what I was talking about with Shauna? It's like, remember how everybody separated us back in the day? Bring everybody together in one place, right? All the ladies. I mean, I think about this a lot. Why, when people were booking shows in the 90s, did they not make us share bills? Like, it wasn't until the Riot Girl thing happened like, if you weren't a Riot Girl band, it was like they separated us as if we would fight like animals or right. something. Like, we couldn't be on the same bill. We couldn't be friends. Right. right. Well, obviously, like... <laughs> no way. We'd be enemies. It's all a competition for Too us. much competition. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let's get this ball rolling. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Let's so, start brawling. Let's... <laughs> you ready to brawl, Tracy? Tell us what you're drinking, first of all. Uh, I have a Shiner Holiday beer. Um, I think this is one of the beers. It's sort of adorable. Um, my band members, two of them, forgot my birthday during a band practice. <laughs> so um, when I went on a little trip to New York, came back. When I came back, they had a cake and had bought me a six-pack to make up for it yeah it was very sweet and the two people who were buying the beer are both non-drinkers oh my god (laughs) yeah so they were they were blindly in the supermarket trying to like random pick six beers and looking at other like these are adult men they just happen (laughs) to not drink so they i'm imagining them looking like lost children in the beer aisle of a supermarket like i don't know that one looks cool i guess (laughs) So I believe this is one of their beers. (laughs) So I wanted to ask you about one of the starting from the beginning of Tracy Wilson, because we want to know about the Tracy Wilson teenager years. Yeah, we we like to start there. Oh, boy. (laughs) Um, Well, I started collecting records in grade school. And what's so stupid about my record collecting years is it still didn't occur to me that that could be me playing music. For me, it was still like obsessively buying like whatever, like the, I've told the story a bunch in the past, but there were two record store employees who made me a list on a bag of bands that I should check out because I had told them I had seen a midnight oil video, um, before Midnight Oil like exploded 
they had uh, the the record that's ten nine eight seven six five four three two one, and I'd seen a video for something off that record and was like, they're the craziest, most intense looking band. I don't even understand what the genre is. Like, it's not something I hear on the radio with my parents in the car. And the record store guys were like, oh, okay, so you like alternative music or you know whatever we called it at in the eighties. And they made me a list of like Susie Sue and New Order. And like, I would just buy one of those records at a time. But still, as much as I loved records, I didn't really think that I could do it yet. I didn't know how to write a song. I knew I liked singing a lot. I had been in school plays and chorus. I think like in eighth grade, I was the president of chorus. But it's still like the band thing hadn't connected. They have presidents. Yeah. That's great. (laughs) And um, it wasn't till I think my junior year is when I started working at a record store and meeting other like record nerds, but also people who played in bands. Was that flip side? It was. Yeah. yeah. And I think it was maybe like I went to school with a couple of guys in the band Rorschach. And one of them was like, hey, I have this friend, Melissa, who plays drums. And Melissa, of course, went on to be in Team Dresh and the Butchies. And that was like the first person that someone had sort of connected me to, to be like, hey, this woman loves music and plays in a band. And if you love music so much, maybe this should be something you should try that's cool like i wish that like i had this this club of cool ladies who got me into playing music but it it wasn't it was the dudes in my world and then eventually like a boyfriend who had a guitar always in the house who taught me how to play but like he did but it was like but it wasn't like these are all the right chord like it was don't listen to anything anybody tells you. You just keep making noise till you like it. That's cool. <laughs> and you'll figure it out. And even like songwriting, nobody told me like, okay, you should have like an intro and then a, a verse and a bridge and then a chorus. Like it was like, just do whatever the fuck you want. And if you like it, and it sounds cool to you. Then that should be your thing. So like high school me was just like an open, like a blank page, soaking in whatever people could tell me. So um, I did go to one band practice with Melissa and she was playing with two other people. And that was like the first time I'd ever even stepped in a room with an instrument with other people playing at the same time. This is maybe, I don't know if I had moved to Hoboken yet. It was like, right. I was going to ask you, was that? So where did, where would you, where did you grow up? So I grew up in North Jersey, right outside of New York City. Okay. And um, That's a good I was working at a record store also in North Jersey. And I mean, living in Hoboken, you had Pier Platters, which is like one of the world's greatest record stores. And then you had Maxwell's. Yeah. And Hoboken's only like a mile by a mile. So it's like this tiny music community. So like the one practice space in town is where... Yola Tango and Sonic Youth practice like yeah that's right it was it's sort of like a it sounds like impossible dream when you describe it to people like (laughs) you know you go to like your neighbor's party and you'd fall over like members of pavement it was just like a 
indie rock who's who at the time. Yeah. But even still, like, with all of this music around me, I was still show, so shy and naive about my own skill. And I yeah. certainly didn't have the confidence to think that I should be on a stage with other people. Like, it took so many years of people prodding and pushing and, like, daring me, basically, to keep at it to make that happen. I mean, I'm blown away by a lot of younger women today who are like, oh, I was 12 when I picked up my guitar. Right. I had to be on stage. Like, that was not me. <laughs> not even a little. Right. It, I'm like, it, it, it makes me so mad as like a pretty like strong feminist to think that I just didn't have that courage yet or self-confidence to do any of that stuff yet. Do you think it was like the time though, like, because there just wasn't a lot of women and I feel like now, I don't know, somebody just told me this theory the other day. So see how it rings true to you guys. They said that like, because of Kurt Cobain and Nirvana, they inspired like all the, well, you were saying this, I feel like all the teenage girls who were never in bands, like, uh, like another generation or two of starting bands like they were listening to nirvana and like all the explosion that came out of the 90s and now this is the next generation people like young girls are actually thinking they can do it i don't know I don't, there are i think every like five years like a new a crop of awesome talented people taking the stage and now like when I think about the Bills then in the 90s where like literally I'd tour for six weeks and never play with another woman in like the punk hardcore scene or whatever. Um, and then all this time later, every show we play has at least a couple of women on the bill. Right. And I think that's I... what it is. Yeah. It's just not there was no representation, you know, yeah. like we had heart. I remember that. Like Nancy right, Wilson. Right. Or the Go-Go's. It was like such a dream. Right. I, I felt like it wasn't real. Like, is she really playing? <laughs> yeah. Is she doing that? Um, Sorry, but, but even, yeah, she was. <laughs> She's kick-ass. She's a badass. I'm wondering if growing up, when I think about people like Blondie or um, the Go-Go's or Cindy Lauper, like yeah. all these crazy, talented women... Pat Benatar, Laura Branigan, they all still seemed like movie stars to me. Yeah. Like I didn't, I didn't see myself in them. Yeah. Right. There was at no point did I watch them and think like, oh, that could so obviously be me. It wasn't until I worked at the record store. And um, I think for me it was Fire Party. Oh, yeah. Because Fire Party like just looked like regular people. And then even like L7 or Babes in Toyland, Hole, Luna Chicks, like – all those bands were empowering to me, but Readers they saw this. Too. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. like the, the grungier ladies that I just mentioned all have, still had like a comic book character yeah. larger than life. Like Courtney love is such a specific style. And as much as like I could put on saddle shoes or a velvet dress, like <laughs> I didn't still feel like that felt like a costume, but then right. you have somebody like Kim deal and you're like, Oh shit. Like, yeah. She is not a, like trying to be a supermodel. Nope. Like I just or like PJ Harvey, and eventually, like obviously, 
PJ Harvey went on many different tangents and looked a lot of different ways. But like, there was still, those were the moments where I started to think like, oh, wait a minute. There's, maybe there is a room for every shade of right. woman. And I, I still like, again, I hate that it took me till like my early 20s to figure that out. But it yeah. did. But yeah. I think it was slower. Like, I'm laughing because you and I started our friendship as a pen pals, right? Yeah. Pen pals, because we were like, oh, my God, I met another cool woman, and I want to mm -hmm. stay in touch with you. But you were living in Seattle at that time, right? Were well, you I still think on the West Coast? I was just moving to Seattle. I think we met a little bit before I moved. Yeah. Um, but... Weirdly, because you weren't living in New York, but for some reason, we were people mis <laughs> we like mistook people like thought I was you or vice versa. So I'd be at a show and somebody'd be like, "Oh my god, I love your band! Scarce is amazing." And I'd be like, "Not me, <laughs> oh but I, right. I, I love that band." And then I think that um, do you remember Ron Decker? Yes. Um, I think he was working at what like BMG or yeah RCA or something. But he was like, I, I know them. I sh you need to meet this person. Yeah. And and somehow he connected it. So you were playing in Asbury Park. Yes. You came and that to was that the, show. That was the first time we met. And it yeah. was like, it was like a scene from a movie where you just meet somebody and right away, yeah. they're like fireworks. It was like you had been my friend my whole life. Yeah. <laughs> I, because there's so few at that time, especially so few women who were in this weird world that's mostly a boys club. Mm -hmm. It was like we both came from the same weird planet where we totally. both spoke the same language. Like we were navigating this sort of new territory and to have somebody else in that, even if right. I didn't get to see you all the time, it was so nice to have somebody who kind of knew what it was all about. Yeah. Someone you and, can relate to. Yeah. And, and, I think, and also just someone who would get excited in a different yeah. way. Like, not like the guys are like, because Shauna's been talking too. Mm -hmm. Like when she was in like doing swirlies and, and traveling around, it was the same thing, right? It was like guys I could not, everywhere. I had a hard time just relating to a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like when, if you weren't a riot girl and you weren't a boy, like, I don't know. It's hard finding your way when you don't fit into this That's niche. That's just it. Yeah, I wasn't. I didn't really relate to Riot Girl and yeah. yeah. And so, like, most of the boys know, were okay, but there was like shoegaze had quite a few women in it, and it was super yeah. exciting to see women and yet like another genre. And there still weren't very many women I knew about in metal yet, so I I didn't have those role models. But like Talia from Come, oh, there were yeah. like. These these women, like obviously the Blake babies, who were were doing music, and yes, like they were clearly women who were just musicians first and not playing up sexuality. Like I didn't watch the Blake babies or come or the swirlies and think like, oh, this person is hoping the crowd wants to fuck her first, and then be a musician second <laughs> and that was like a weird thing before riot girl politics entered the picture 
it was like you weren't supposed to be a woman in music unless you also had to convince the audience they wanted to fuck you. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad you included me, I think, in that Oh <laughs> my! I mean, I, I actually, I sent Joyce in advance of our new record because there's like timing and melody choices that I still use because of the swirlies. Oh. I mean, it's like such a big deal to me. Good. And you know what's crazy? So you know how you and I just like you said, dream, instant connection. Yeah. Same thing with Shauna. Like all of a sudden we were like, whoa. Like, okay, we're just completely comfortable with each other. And we met like hanging out with two other friends and we were looking at like clothes. We were trading crollos. And Shauna and I kept going towards the same clothes. Like, oh, do you like that too? Let's share it. <laughs> do you want it? Let's be nice. friends forever and share. Let's be FFs. No, but it's so funny because Shauna and I were talking about how many places we played, like on festivals, where uh-huh. we missed each other by a day. We never met each other in Boston back in the day. I'm so glad we've all found each other now. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the Red Jumpsuit community, it, man. Yeah. Maybe it took some time, but alas, here we are. I mean, I, I, I was sort of joking before I did this podcast today, like thinking about how important, again, when you don't know, there's no blueprint on how to be a band and, and write songs. And so you're just listening and soaking it all in and how important it was to listen to those Swirlies records and like complicated melodies and swells, things that like, I still don't, because I never took music classes, I don't even know what the right words are. But as like a listener, when you're writing your own music, you're figuring out how to reapply that back to whatever it is you're doing. And maybe like you would never obviously hear, like that is so blindly a, a Swirlies ripoff. Like it is so a part of my musical DNA. And then even though I've never played an instrument while I sing live, knowing how Joyce plays and that like 110 percent soul of being behind an instrument like i i feel sorry for people who don't get to see that once in their life to be like oh that's (laughs) that's possible whoa you can have that much energy yeah and that much charisma and still be a fucking amazing bass player and and captivate like that balance between being energetic and fun, but also being badass was like the most important lesson of watching a live band of all time. So to have both of you. It's funny too, because I'm thinking I was just trying to emulate all the punk bands I grew up with guys. Of course. Yeah. That's what they did. You know, like you didn't even think about it, but then because you're a girl, it brings a different element in. No, I right. did. I did see Joyce play once in Scarce, and I was just like, <laughs> I mean, yeah. right? My jaw, jaw dropping. dropping. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely true. Well. <laughs> and Thank you. I don't know if I left early or what, but I don't know. I, I didn't they were just get trying to, to keep us apart. But you were. You had adoring fans around you. Yeah, I couldn't right. get. And get in there. Do you guys remember that first time you played live in front of people? Like, what was it 
was there a moment that you finally were like, okay, maybe, maybe I am meant to do this. Like that imposter syndrome finally went away. Yeah. Um, maybe like a year ago. <laughs> no. She's like yesterday. <laughs> Is that also a weird generational thing? Cause I certainly still don't give myself any credit. For anything. I think it's a female thing, too. I don't know. I, I mean, I've I've heard men say this, too. Like, oh, they're going to find out. They're, they're going <laughs> to you know, They're going to find out I'm, I'm a big fraud. Right? <laughs> yeah, maybe that isn't, like, a gender-specific thing. I, yeah, We're all just faking right. it. Yeah. I know it takes courage to be in a band and go on stage. But it's kind of remarkable how many musicians are actually terribly insecure people yeah. who aren't great around others. Right. It's just like that need to create and make music is stronger than the fears that come with performing and right. sharing your art. Or they feel like they can speak through that, you know, like it's like an artist. That's what it was right? for me, yeah. Because I was so shy and like had a hard time engaging, had a quiet voice, and I don't know, just not heard. And once I got on stage, that was, uh, yeah, it was a way to be heard. Yeah. And loud. And as a woman, that is often the first time you've been, you felt like you've been heard. Because mm -hmm. especially, yeah. like, growing up in the 70s and 80s, like, dudes talking over you, like, you being invisible. Yeah. It's a very real thing. So the moment you are behind a microphone with a loud instrument, you're like, oh, shit. You're I'm like, oh. Here. I have a voice <laughs> that I didn't even know I had. In yeah. Me. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us about your first band and what that led to or your first band experiences. and. I guess Broken Mouth was the first band that I had. Um, That's a good which I think name. I, I think I picked it out of like a Jack Kerouac book. I hated his books. <laughs> Everybody told me I was supposed to read Kerouac and On the Road or whatever, and I was like, "This is a this is a gobbledygook dude fest." Like yeah, all the totally, totally the whole beatnik thing. I was like, "Oh, this doesn't speak to me either." Like when you're a woman trying to find yourself through your like late teens and twenties, like. Oh, cool. Like another sausage party. Great. Exactly. Um, <laughs> but I think the word broken mouth appears somewhere in there. And at the time, my boyfriend, um, Phil, who was showing me like how to use a guitar, he and the band Doom Buggy that were on Spin Art, yeah. they helped me as well. And so we just sort of like, we were never like an, an official band. We just all worked together. And I think the guys in the band, The Fiends, um, also played a little bit on the record and we did an EP. And then when I found the members of Dahlia Seed, um, there was like a broken mouth split seven inch with Doom Buggy and then a Dahlia Seed broken mouth 10 inch. Yeah. And then uh, Phil and I broke up, but then Dahlia Seed kept going. And that was like my, I don't know, five years of being in my first real band. Yeah. And you guys toured awesome. all over the place and you did it all like I feel like DIY, right? You were just yeah. out there doing it. I mean, we put ads in like Maximum Rock and Roll and said, we're going on tour during this summer. 
if you want us to play your basement or all ages space or whatever, call our guitar player's parents' house and we'll work it out. And that's pretty much how we booked that tour, I think. So that was like our only real U.S. tour. We mostly did um, like the Northeast area for those years. We definitely didn't do as much touring as we would have liked, for sure. We did like a Detroit Emo Festival and some stuff in Canada, but um, we definitely did not do the crazy big touring that a lot of the other bands and the sort of post-hardcore emo scene were doing. I wish we did, but um, I also, because I didn't know how to take care of myself or how to tour, I'd lose my voice. Uh, like me too. The other day, so that was like I we couldn't tour for weeks on end and play every night because I would blow out my voice. Yes. And then I would spend three days having to cancel shows. I mean, I still have nightmares where like when I wake up, the first thing I do is hum like a little. And if nothing comes out, I know that it's a bad day. And if a sound comes out, then I'm like, okay, I can sing today. I still, I wonder if I'm going to be like 80 and still doing that. (laughs) But just, being like somebody who didn't know that you're supposed to drink water every day, like, or eat properly or sleep like a regular person, like on a punk rock tour, none of that stuff happens. And at that time people were still smoking around you. So to try to maintain a, a singing voice through all of that was like almost impossible. Definitely. And I think while I was living in Seattle towards the end of Dahlia Seed, I was coming back and flying to play shows and we were being wined and dined by a couple of labels and I know like mammoth were looking at it but we were too heavy by the time they came to see us play like a showcase in Chapel Hill we were so much heavier than I think they were expecting I think they really wanted like a front day Julian Hatfieldy little girl And that was not what was happening at that point. And you could just see that look of like, not horror. They were polite, very polite, but just like, oh no, this was not (laughs) what we were hoping for. I think now, you know, like the Foo Fighters and Deftones have all like our masters of heavy pop music, but that wasn't really happening yet. And certainly not with a woman in the band. Yeah. So a lot of those shows would be like, you know, coming out on stage and having 30% or 50% of the room want to like walk out because you're a girl on a hardcore bill that nobody thinks is going to be good. So, um, when I was living in Seattle, I was writing my own songs on my answering machine because I didn't have a four track recorder. (laughs) So (laughs) So, like I would, uh, I would jam a guitar pick in the, the machine and it kept recording. And that's how I started writing my own songs. And that's when Ring Finger, which would end up being my solo thing, started. And that's when I realized, like, oh, maybe I don't need a band in the traditional sense. Like, I was so used to relying on a room full of people writing songs for me or with me that Seattle and living on my own there was gave me that opportunity to realize that I had that ability to write my own songs. And I maybe couldn't execute them perfectly on guitar, but it was still enough of the blueprint of the song that when we brought it back to the band and worked on it together, it was like, oh, shit, this is a real song. That's so I, cool. When it was on, you know, I'd actually like mail these cassettes 
back and forth. And I know like postal service, their whole like band thing was based on that. But during the nineties, that was a real thing. Like bands mailed cassettes of demos (laughs) all the time. Right. And by the time I came back and our band was starting to fall apart in the mid to late nineties, that's when I realized like, okay, well, I don't necessarily like the end of Dahlia Seed doesn't mean I'm not going to exist anymore as a creative person in a band. Like, I think I've proved to myself that I can continue on. Yeah. And, um, is that when you did your thing with, um, what's his name from Kevin? It started. Yeah. It started almost around that same time, but, um, I don't know if Shauna knows this, but right after, Dahlia Seed broke up and I started working at Caroline Mm -hmm. within a a couple of years. Adam was one of the buyers uh, at Adam Pierce. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And he was, I guess, just starting to play with the Swirlies. Okay. And I I think I had left at that point. But so, yes. And I was (gasps) asked to replace you. Oh, And I had never played bass or keyboards in a band before. So at the time, these were the two instruments. They wanted you to play bass or keyboards? Yeah, for some reason that came up. And so I was like, I don't even own a, I think I either, I had to borrow somebody's (laughs) bass or guitar. And I was going to meet Adam at the WFMU record fair in Manhattan. And we had set up like a time and they was going to take me to the Swirlies practice uh-huh. and he never came. Wow. And so like, it was just me being like, Oh, okay. I think I've been stood up. That's cool. I'm going to buy some records. God. And then I got spooked and was like, okay, I've never played music in a band that wasn't Dahlia seed. Maybe like this is a sign that I'm not supposed to do it. And I never tried out. So I never did it. And you never heard from him? Oh, so, like, Adam and I, like, worked together at Caroline forever. And Adam was just like, oh, man. I, he ended up coming, like, late. Or I, okay. he had, like, some, uh, he had some crazy excuse. Adam okay. story. But, like, we're lifelong friends. That sounds like Adam. <laughs> yeah. We, uh, every time he tours, like, he still stays with me. It's fine. But, yeah. like, I was that close. Almost trying to wow. tackle. That's so crazy. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. I didn't know that, Tracy. Yeah. And when that didn't shake out, you and I started it's playing together. Weird. I love it. With our matching purple it's kind of funny. suits. Do you remember that? Yeah. Tracy had this beautiful purple velvet jumpsuit that she got at, I think at H&M. And then I was like, I'm getting one too. <laughs> That's how our band started. It's beautiful. <laughs> anyway. It's been exciting to watch and grow. And um, because I've been in an active band for almost 10 years of this time here, seeing um, this amazing decade of talent come out of Richmond and artists like Lucy Dacus, who's now on Matador. I was going to ask you about. Yeah. Okay. Give some shout outs. Yeah. It's crazy to watch someone, I think she was maybe a junior or senior in high school when I first saw her play. Wow. And I, like, the first time 
I saw her for some reason. I couldn't stop thinking about Betty Severe. And it's so weird that she ended up on on Matador because for some reason there's just something about like the texture of her voice and that sort of like melancholy quality to her that was still like smart pop. But there was just like another layer of grit and sadness to it. And then, sure enough, within a, you know a couple of years, superstar, superstar. <laughs> and then, wait, tell me who is the band? And because my brain really sucks now, who is that band that you guys toured with with a bunch with the girls in it? Beach Sparks was that? Oh, uh, well, Beach Slang Beach is slang. mostly oh, beach boys, slang. but um, there has been one woman in the band for a while now. Right. And then Potty Mouth was on one of those yeah. tours. Um, I mean, I, I feel so fortunate. We've played with so many rad bands with female members or people who identify as women. Like, And is this with Positive No? This yeah. This is with that band, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. And like uh, the whole reason Positive No even started, because when Kenny and I first started dating, um, 11 years ago or almost 11 years ago. Um, we never talked about being in a band together. I mean, he knew I owned guitars and he knew like I played, but it wasn't until I got hit by a car and literally couldn't walk. Cause we lived like up a flight of 20 some stairs wow. and I was literally like stuck in my apartment, hmm. not being able to move and had all this time to kill and I was employed at the time and the company I was helping get off the ground, let me go. Uh-huh. So I was suddenly unemployed and like literally like I didn't break anything, but my muscle damage in my legs was so severe that I couldn't stand for any length of time. Like, so to be a shiny penny, to be interviewed and hope I'd get a job yeah. was not really in the cards at that time. And so Kenny and I just started messing around with some songs And then by this time, yeah, nine years ago, um, we had like a demo worth of material. And I feel like super fortunate that Kenny was like, no, we should make this happen. Let's let's see these demos through. So we had like maybe three or four songs and a, a friend of him, his in L.A. had written some drum like uh like electronic drum tracks for it. So we didn't even have a real drummer playing on our first demos. No way. Uh, And we posted a handful of the songs and people were like, "Uh, you guys have good songs. You should, (laughs) you should maybe make that happen. And ironically, the one person who was like, I'm going to be your bass player and we're going to be in a band. And uh, the drummer in Tao with the get down, stay down Willis, That band, he was, like, just exiting that band and was looking for something to do. So, like, Positive No came together super quickly after that. And that has kind of developed ever since. And, I mean, I I don't know, like, how you guys consider yourselves. Like, for me, I'm always going to be a music fan first, a musician second. But because I've been playing music for 30 years, I don't even know who I am when I'm not making music. And even if it's not touring or recording, 
But I'm wondering how you guys feel about that. Like, if you're not in like this, like serious band that you're trying to get in like a, a magazine or like a feature in a website, <laughs> like, I, I, I still want to like make that art. for a while. I did. Yeah. I think we both did. Yeah. I feel like too, like when I met Shauna, it's like, we just have a ton of fun playing together. And then we sort of like, you know, had the band thing going for a while. And then we life, were dreaming. And we then were dreaming actually, big, but I got sick. That's why we stopped. I got and cancer. Got cancer. Stupid cancer. To... Fuck cancer. <laughs> uh, you showed me a boss. little inconvenience, but, but no, we, we did actually, I have to tell you, Tracy, cause you have to watch it. Cause you'll understand this. It's very sub, Liminable, whatever the word is. But we shot a video called for one of these songs Shauna wrote called The Herd. And it's this epic, beautiful song. And in the video, I had just found out that I had gotten cancer. So this is one scene where Bill focused on me and I was just screaming. Like, it's just like, it's pretty intense. Cathartic. Cathartic. Yeah, exactly. But and then it's funny because like so we still play from time to time, but then we started like talking about music. And so we started this podcast and now we've been like doing that more than play right now. Yeah. But eventually Sean and I want to go back to making music, you know, and playing and just having fun. You know, do you both do you both play pretty regularly at home? No. To some degree? No, not as much. I you Really? I've been really into playing the drums. And we have a good connection with yeah. guitar drums. Guitar drums, yeah. That's amazing. Sean and I, I have been doing like it kind do of that, stripped down for a little while, right? Definitely don't want to talk too much about ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> don't want to do that. But I don't play at you home because... I love to do that, right, Sean? Sean is like, okay. I just want to say quickly, I paint and it takes hours and hours and hours to make what I make. And but then I you're like doing something creative. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's what I do. No. <laughs> but, but what we liked about this oh, is funny. The, the first couple episodes, Sean and I interviewed each other because we were yeah, just like just having conversations. And I feel like women talk about things in a much deeper way. Than well, that, I think. Right. <laughs> Another really important thing, um, and weirdly, I've spent less time on Facebook, Instagram, not as much, but for whatever reason, I actually weirdly like Twitter. And Mm -hmm. for me, one of the most important things to be super vocal about is, um, I guess as a, a woman who's not 22, like as an adult woman who's over 40, still being creative, Yeah. I like people seem surprised when I tell them my age, like I'm supposed to hide the fact that I'm no longer 25. It's like I'm 48 for fuck's sake. Yeah. Right. I'm I'm not going to pretend to be somebody I'm not. And again, there's like that ancient idea of like, oh, well, if you're in a band, the whole idea of being a woman in a band is one to be fuckable. Right. So people are drawn to you and then, you know, whatever your songs are about is secondary. And yes, it's much better, but I still think there's a lot of mentality. Like the reality is nobody really cares about people making art over the age of 30. I agree. To 
And totally. totally. So this like this really heavy loneliness I felt as someone in my late teens and early twenties being in a, a punk rock heavy band where there weren't a lot of women. I think it might even be worse now as an older woman. So it's not my gender that matters. It's the age. It's the age. Mm -hmm. And, and being invisible all over again for a different reason was something I didn't really expect. And I I think the more, the more vocal we can all be about it. Yeah. Like you don't just fucking go away. Like we're still here just because you had kids. Right. Right. Doesn't mean you can't play your instrument anymore or just because you maybe took a career more seriously, but you still have this band in the background that like doesn't make your art any less important or special. Right. Right. I mean, and you know what? I think it's being brave. That's what I feel like music gave me the knowledge to say, Hey, I'm going to put myself out there and I might fall flat on my face, but it feels damn good to take risks. And well, that's you how you learn, right? right? You, yeah. That's the kiss of death to me. If you're not willing to constantly put yourself a little on that edge, mm-hmm. then, you know, you really are not like growing. Right. And I feel like, I don't know, I said this to Shauna, I'm like, I think I had to wait till my 40s to have a large group of women that are awesome because we get better with age. Nobody talks about that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But getting better with age also means you have to be willing to say fuck off to the people who don't really understand. Yeah. Well, unconditionally standing up for yourself like that, that took a lot of time to get there. And now like I have zero patience. My bullshit meter is just like so finely tuned. And if you're not going to take me seriously, like I'm done with you. I just life is short. Don't need it. Fuck off. Next. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's been really fascinating watching the handful of, of women I grew up worshiping um still playing music like how kim deal like her records now are as good as ever to me or um yeah just pj harvey still makes my my arm hair stand up because you just never know what crazy interesting version of herself is going to come out in a song or even like bjork's decision to wear masks and like remove that um, her identity as an aging woman. Mm-hmm. So like she's not even she doesn't even look human. She's like post human. So even though she's an aging woman, this. she was just like, you know what? No, I'm just going to be this other thing That's and not let you define me at all. Like you can't judge like, oh, she. Oh, yeah, she's really looking her age because right. she has crazy mask on. And you're not thinking about her as a person, like you're listening to the voice, you're listening to the song, you're taking in the atmosphere and the landscape she builds and a live scenario. Like to me, that's the dream setting. I don't, I don't want anybody to be thinking about how old I am or what my weight is or what my gender is. Like the dream is to have them be lost in the song. And the only way you can really do that is if you somehow 
erase yourself on stage. And she has found a way to do that, which is genius. It is genius. Oh, the best thing I ever saw was the sugar cubes. Oh, oh my gosh. In her little jumpsuit. Right? I'm like, yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like, you, you know, you got excited, right? It's somebody. I never saw her solo. Oh, That's why I'm just, oh, yeah, it was okay. like, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. pre all that. Oh, yeah. And I saw them down the street next the next day. I was like, oh, you oh my did? God. I just secretly follow them. <laughs> you didn't? I kind of did. I kind of did. Anyway. There's something so unbelievably shiny about her. Like, even if she's not wearing something wildly spectacular, like some people just have that magic aura. Yeah. And when she was living in New York, you'd run into her in bars. And, like, she she just has this undeniable charm about her. Yeah. Some people are just like that. They're just, yeah. they're, they're born shiny pennies. Yeah. And... I think some people are, are lucky enough to keep that their whole life. It's it's hard to maintain a shiny penny, but be like, you know, a penny from 1967 or whatever year she was born. But yeah. <laughs> All right. So lovely lady, you got to tell us what your next release is so we can give it a shout out on our thing. 2020 will be the final year for Positive No. So we are breaking up. We're going to release our final record, which is called Kyanite. And it will be, I think, out in May. Um, we still have, like, all the things you're supposed to do before a record comes out, like write one sheets and make a video and all the things to support this final release. But um, we've been a band for eight years. And I don't know. I, I think it's just time to try something else. And because my husband, Kenny, is in the band with me, um, part of it's also sort of like figuring out what our life is when we're not always being like we are the sort of the business people in the band. Yeah. So we we aren't just the songwriters for the band, but we also have to book shows and figure out like the rental car scenarios and who we're going to stay with and worry about budgets and social media. And that's been eight of our 10 years together as right. husband and, or boyfriend and girlfriend, husband and wife as partners. So I think, you know, giving us the opportunity to take a little time out from that is kind of exciting, but because eight of these 10 years with Kenny has also been about making art. I think that's just a part of our, our dynamic as a couple. So um, we'll always make music, whether it's like out in the world or not, yeah. but, um, I'm, I don't know. I'm in a very sort of like, I don't know what's next. I, see. So, I don't even know what I'm going to do with a, a yeah. Thursday now because every Thursday is a band practice day. Right. At least an hour of every day is dedicated yeah. brain space wise or work wise to doing band stuff. So I don't know, like, Maybe I'll work on other kinds of art. Like I've done right. some collage work. I've worn pants more in the last year because like for those who know me, I'm not known for ever wearing pants. And when people do see me in pants, it's sort of like, wait, what's happening? What's, what's I don't wrong? I don't understand. <laughs> this is... <laughs> so like in, in this journey of discovering like who I am is like middle aged me. Apparently pants are a part of that equation. So, yeah. <laughs> 
All right. Well, we want to thank you, Tracy Keats Wilson, for being part of our podcast community of women musicians that are bad ass. You're amazing. I'm just listening. I'm basking in your fabulousness. Doing lots of heart loves to you, lady. And I want to see you in person. Whatever you want to promote, we want to give you a shout out. And yay to 2020. Yeah, we'll have a charity song coming out. We do one every Christmas time. Um, We pick a charity and release a song in December and all the 100% of the proceeds go to that charity. So that comes out either tomorrow or Tuesday. So I'll send you a link to that. Yay. Wonderful. Yay. Right, Tracy, it was right. so good to Thank you so, so much for having you. me. I love it. We love you. Mwah. You guys Hello. hang up first. Okay, we're going to hang up first. <laughs> Bye. Hello, hello. Our website is now available redjumpsuitpodcast.com. So come and visit because we don't just have the interviews on there. We have links to buy stuff from the artists. And then we want to hear from you. So please send us an email to redjumpsuitpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening to us. And please subscribe to our podcast and, you know, let people know about it. And, and if you want to be on our show, send us an email. We'd love to talk to you. Send us an email.